0: Colossians chapter number 4. Our verse primarily is going to focus on verse 17. Uh, and so as we <clears throat> look here uh, at this this small little book of the New Testament, Colossians chapter number 4. It's good to have Brother Ed with us here somewhere. And so, oh, okay, he's got guard duty out out in the lobby. And so, how do you like that? He comes in uh, he comes in off the road and, and, get, and is just here for a service or two and gets, gets locked down in the lobby. Uh, and so, but you pray for him as he's still adjusting uh, to, to life without his beloved wife and getting back in the swing of ministry and getting prisons opened up and traveling and the Lord will keep him safe as he travels and when he leaves here, he'll go this afternoon and take a couple of guys that were in the program with him and Brother Buck up in Cleveland uh, that are in churches in Houston. He's going to take them to lunch and head back home and get packed up and be in a prison up in Henderson for a few days before he heads out uh, to, to South Carolina for the, the Rock of Ages Prison Ministries National Conference. And so a lot of miles to travel. Uh, and so just continue to pray the Lord will help the things to, to ramp back up and to get back in the swing of full ministry. Uh, Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 16. And when this epistle is read among you... Cause that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans and that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord that thou fulfill it. The salutation by the hand of Paul, remember my bonds, grace be with you, amen. I are going to speak this morning on the thought, fulfilling your ministry. Let's pray. Father, thank you as we begin this morning that we can gather together, that we can lift up our voices as a church family and body and worship of our God. Thank you for these that are faithful to come and assemble and serve together. Lord, I pray that you'd open your word to our hearts this morning. I pray that you'd help us to lay aside the burdens and the distraction of the day and that we'd be able to open our hearts and our minds, Holy Spirit, to your guiding, your leading as you reveal. Uh, truths from your word to us. Lord, speak to us, we pray. In Jesus name, amen. If you look here, this letter to the church at Colossae, Paul's writing from Rome, and he mentions uh, in it Epaphras. Epaphras is uh, the pastor really essentially of this church at Colossae. Paul never went to this city uh, or to this church personally. And so it's likely that as Epaphras was incarcerated in Rome with him, that the information that he has here is from him. Of course, we don't know absolutely where it came from, but it's in, we know that the Holy Spirit was inspiring him as he wrote. Uh, but we do know and believe that, <clears throat> that that's where much of his information comes from. He addresses here at the close Archippus. Archippus is the son of Philemon. And so the church at Philemon, uh, or the church of Colossae, Uh, is meeting in at least one of its meeting places, if not the sole meeting place, is in the home of Philemon. There's a New Testament book, uh, just a few pages over, dedicated to him. Uh, It is to Philemon that Paul writes that letter in regards to a slave that he has led to Christ, a slave of Philemon's that is by the name of Onesimus. And that's not really to do with the message this morning, other than to just make the connections of uh, of who we're talking about here. Archippus is the son of Philemon, and it is apparent from the letter and from other Paul's other writings that he is kind of standing in, then filling in while Epaphras is incarcerated with the Apostle Paul. Uh, And so, as he is as he's there and he's trying to hold this church together and lead it at a time when there's a lot of uh... colossi the church of Colossae doctrinally is a sound church it's not a church that paul's rebuking their doctrine he is however sounding warning uh... about some cultish activity that's creeping in uh... and about some legalistic things that are creeping in from the Judaizers, and then uh... and then from uh... from the greeks as well and so he's he's got problems that he's dealing with Problems are not doctrinal. Paul's writing in a letter, encouraging him. Uh, it seems that by the language here, and I'll explain this more in just a moment, that he, he's kind of he, he's kind of discouraged. It's, it would seem that he has he has gotten a little bit. I don't want to say lax in the sense that he's he's lazy about ministry. I'm just but lax in the terms of he's weary and he's tired, and it's not really his. Full responsibility, it belongs to the paparazzi. He's trying to stand in and he's just weary with the weight of the ministry. Now, why do you say that, Pastor? Notice what Paul says and say to Archippus, take heed to thy ministry. It, what he's saying here essentially and take heed is, Archippus, pay attention. Notice what you're doing is important, what you're doing uh, is, is impactful, it's necessary. And I'm uh, and and you need to stand true, fulfill your ministry, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. Don't don't give up, don't stop, don't quit, fulfill it, see it through to its completion. And so as we look at him here, he's referenced only twice in the Scripture here and in Philemon uh, and in. Philemon in verse two, and Paul calls him a fellow soldier. So he's not someone uh, that is, uh, you know, just just occasionally a part of things. It's his father's home, which the church meets. He, uh, in all likelihood, worked very closely by his position here with Epaphras, the pastor, and uh, and was integral in the ministry of this church. But to carry that weight, uh, it wears on you. It, it is burdensome, uh, and Paul is encouraging him to see it through. As he is the minister here at this time. He's in the battle with the Apostle Paul. Though the Apostle Paul is in prison. He makes that clear here. Remember my bonds. As he closes the, the epistle in verse number 18. He mentions the letter to the church at Laodicea. And this church going to be read at the church at Laodicea as well. Uh, and just to understand that the Paul, epistles. The letters that Paul has recorded in the New Testament. Are not the only ones that he wrote. They're the ones that have been canonized into the scripture. The ones that have been accepted as uh, as inspired scripture uh, that have been placed into the word of God. And so uh, there are other letters and, and they would have been familiar with those things. And, and Paul says, listen, the letter that I wrote to the church at Laodicea, read it here. And take this letter to the church at Colossae and make sure it gets read to the church at Laodicea specifically. Uh, and so he's ministering and he's reaching out. And so Paul, again makes this admonition to Archippus. Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received. Now, listen, ministry is a call of God. But ministry is not isolated to a call to pastor or be a missionary or uh, to uh, to serve in some other capacity, a Sunday school teacher, uh, uh, a deacon. Now, I listen, I believe all of those things that God places a call on folks' lives and he calls them to it, but I also believe that God calls every believer to serve him. In the Bible, it, it's not on the responsibility of you say, well, Pastor, hey, uh, there, there's a whole city out there that needs to be one to Christ. You and the deacons and the Sunday school teachers need to go reach them. No, that's the responsibility of all Christendom. That's the responsibility of the church body. Uh, and so the church and the, the leaders of the church are to facilitate uh, those things. As a member of the body, we go and participate. But our role, my role as a pastor is to facilitate. Uh, my role as a Christian is to go with you. Uh, And so, as a leader, to go before and show the way. And so, when we talk about these different things, understand that ministry is not isolated to a title. Ministry is what God has placed upon the life and the heart of every believer. Every believer has a ministry. Every believer has a purpose. Every believer has the call of God in their life to make a difference in their place of employment, in their home, in their family, uh, amongst their community. Uh, Listen, the church is to go out and be a light and let that light shine and certainly as members of the body we want our light to shine but it's collectively that the church goes forth boldly and makes a difference and so paul admonishing this young man take heed to the ministry which thou hast received Well, that's great pastor here's a young man that's standing in he's uh he is a uh, at least uh, uh, in a temporary position of pastor of this church at Colossae. He's been called of God to do that. How does that apply to me? It applies to you because God's called you to serve him too. And it may not look the same as what I'm doing right now. And my service does not look much through the week like what it's doing right now. It's, uh, it's, I, I, have a, I have a pretty structured schedule that gets blown up almost on a weekly basis. But the schedule remains there, uh, and I try to stick with my schedule as much as is possible. Uh, but whenever things come up or events happen or different things take place, uh, it's, it's a constant struggle to get back in the routine of the schedule, uh, which is important. But the, the point being is take heed. Pay attention to what God's given you to do. Pastor, I don't know what God's called me to do. Well, look at the basic things in the Scripture that God's called every believer to do, to assemble, to worship. To to study the word of God. uh, To share your faith with those around you. To live in a way that honors and pleases God and provokes others to righteousness and to good works. Those are all things that as you look at, that is ministry. That is the essence of ministry. Uh, And so when he says, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord. Listen, God gives us ministry. That thou fulfill it. So what are we talking about here? Well, first of all, let's talk about the concept here of a minister or ministry. A minister is one to whom a king or a prince entrusts the direction of the affairs of state. And so in a secular sense, uh, we would look at someone that has been commissioned by his or her government to go and represent them uh, in another place. Uh, and so as they would go, they go not to speak on their own behalf and not to push their own agenda, uh, but to take and represent the agenda of those uh, of the one who has sent them. We see that uh, ascribed to us in Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20. Uh, Paul here talking about we're new creation in Christ. If we, the old man's passed away, old things are, are passed away, behold all things are become new. Then verse 20, the manifestation or the end of that is now, then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us or through us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. And so, essentially here, ministry is this. It is doing the work of an ambassador. It is representing, not myself, it's understanding that as a believer in Christ, I do not represent, I no longer represent myself, my own interests, my own will, my own desires, uh, but the will of God. The desires of God. Everything that I do, I do on his behalf. I do representing him and his kingdom. Uh, and it, it church is not, uh, and Christendom is not coming to church on Sunday uh, and and representing God on Sunday and then doing what I want all week long. Uh, the the life of a believer is that of recognizing that as the child of God I have been called to represent my father in heaven everywhere I go and in everything that I do. And to to shirk that responsibility or to dismiss that responsibility leaves me not fulfilling my ministry. So when we're talking about here ministry we're talking about simply that that we are doing the work of a minister or as representing our king. Now then ministry what is that pastor? It is the duties of a minister or an ambassador. So from just a simple standpoint, it is carrying out the duties that have been ordained or given to me by God. And so my responsibilities as a Christian are the same as yours. My responsibilities as a pastor vary. Uh, Some of them blend, but some of them are distinctly different. But all of us, by and large, the bulk of our responsibilities as a believer in Christ are the same. And so Paul compels here Archippus to take heed. He's saying, hey, listen, Archippus, take notice. Pay attention. Regard with care. This is important, what I've called you to do, what I've given you to do. These duties that are given to you were not given to you by the Apostle Paul, and they were not given to you by Epaphras. Though they may have appointed you, they're given to you by God. And my responsibility, your responsibility, to be the person, the Christian that God has called us to be was not, it, listen, God may have used a, a, a pastor, a Sunday school teacher, a friend, uh, a particular sermon, an evangelist or a particular passage of scripture that you read in your devotional life to speak to your heart and to solidify that, that call in your life and to say, this is what God would have me to do. Uh, and he may have used that person in your life to do it, but ultimately the call came from the king. It's from God. And so ministry, the duties of a minister or an ambassador. Paul compels him, take heed, fulfill your duties. Archippus, this is your duty. Fulfill it. Don't let it, don't get sidetracked. Don't let it fall apart. Fulfill it. The word fulfill simply means to accomplish. It means to uh, to accomplish by performing or completing. And so if I if I partially accomplish something, but do not see it through to its completion, then I have not fulfilled it. To fulfill it, it must be complete. And what does that mean in our lives? Well, uh, there are things that at times we have that maybe uh, it's a specific task for a short period of time that we can engage in, and at some point it's complete, it's finished, we're done. For example, yesterday uh, the wedding, and so at the end of the wedding, there was a list of responsibilities. There were different assignments uh, for parts of the wedding party to uh, to make sure that uh, that <coughs> the the decorations were uh, all taken down and that the, the building was prepared for the service this morning. And uh, And so there were things that had to be disassembled. There were things that had to be reassembled. There were things that had to be uh, brought out and, uh, and then there were things that had to be cleaned. There was a fellowship hall that had to be uh, taken care of, dishes that had to be cleaned, trash that had to be taken out, a piano that had to be moved. There's this long list of things and duties that go with those types of events. And at the end of the day, Thankfully, it's complete, it's done, it's finished. But in the Christian life, though I may have some responsibilities that have a very short lifespan and a definitive start and a definitive end, my responsibility to represent my king is for life. It will not come to its conclusion until I stand before my God. And so I want to understand that if I would fulfill my ministry Then I must finish my ministry to the end. I must stay faithful to perform the task that God has given me to perform until he calls me home. Does that mean, pastor, that that you have to pastor uh, the church until uh, the moment that you die? Not necessarily, but I have to serve my God until the moment that I die. I want to be faithful to the end to complete when I stand before him. 1600s commentator Matthew Henry said it this way, mind your work, take heed to it, fulfill it, be diligent and careful of all of the parts of it, preserve it unto the end. Don't don't step away and let it erode or fall apart. Uh, you you take a home. You can drive around to different parts of town and you can see subdivisions maybe that are older. They're clearly older. You can tell by the design and the style of the home. But they're well maintained. They, they they're uh, the things are painted. Things are repaired. Uh, the lawns are kept and uh, and flower beds are are are, uh, are landscaped and uh, things trees are pruned and all of those things. It, it's well maintained. It's not been left to itself and then you can go to other places where uh where you can see this has been let go i, I remember going to uh part town uh, Cubs, in not long ago and uh and we're knocking on doors and we're canvassing and we're handing out flyers and uh there are homes there that have been impacted by hurricanes that clearly have just been abandoned The the lawn's not been mowed. The house clearly is empty, and uh, and the the shutters are falling off, and the roof has obvious damage to it, and uh, and leaks, and no one's repaired it. No one's taking care of it. It's in disrepair. Is it still the structure? Yes. Is it falling apart? It's on its way. What Paul's saying essentially here is, hey, listen, uh, Archippus, you have a responsibility. Don't let it fall apart. Fulfill your ministry. Keep it maintained. Keep it moving in a direction that pleases God. Fulfill it. Every child of God is an ambassador with a ministry. And I have to understand that as a believer. So pastor, I can't identify what my ministry is. Then you need to pray and ask God to make it clear to you. So pastor, if I come to you, can you uh, uh, you know give me a ministry? Listen, I- I'm, I'm not God. I can try to help you pray and seek out what God's ministry for you is but I can't say to you God called you to preach I'm not going to say to you God uh, wants you to pick up and go here or go there I'm not even going to say to you uh, that God wants you to move away from this church or God wants you to move to this church Uh, I hate to see people go but I understand at times that God moves people I love to see people come but I also understand that it's not the will of God for everyone to serve him here Listen, we have to understand that God has a ministry forever. It's not my place to tell people that. It's it's, it's your place to walk with the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit tell you that. And I'll try to help you learn to do that. uh, But I'm not the Holy Spirit in your life. Uh, And so when we come and we understand the, the simple principle that as your pastor, I can tell you confidently and boldly from the word of God that God has a ministry for you. What is it? Go talk to the Lord and find out. You're his ambassador, not my ambassador. And so when we know that, and God can help us. Now, I can make some obvious conclusions that the Bible's pretty clear on that apply to every believer. Every believer ought to share their faith. Every believer ought to read the Word of God and study it. Every believer ought to spend time in prayer. Every believer ought to uh, walk with the Lord and be dead to self. Every believer should learn to forgive and to allow God uh, to work in their life. Those are things that are just crystallized in the in the foundation of who Jesus is and what God and the characteristics that He wants to impart to our life. And uh, all of that applies to every believer, regardless of what specific area of call God places on your life. And until I master those things, I say, Pastor, well, now what about this or what about that? Listen, you know, you know, you realize this morning that you don't have to agree with everything with. Every on every issue with every person in order to cooperate with them and to worship with them and to serve God with them? If we were going to try to be a church where everybody had to agree on every single thing, we'd never get anywhere. I- I've learned a long time ago. Listen, I- I've... I've- I'm going to travel tomorrow. I'm going to preach at a fellowship meeting for some pastors. uh, And and, uh, I've only met uh, maybe three of them. uh, And there are some others there that I really don't know who they are. Uh, I'm going to find out what it's like. But I already know before I ever go there that there are going to be a lot of issues that we agree on. And there are going to be a lot of issues that we don't agree on. And I just want to go and be a blessing. And so, listen, we ought to come to church that way. Uh, Pastor, do I, I don't agree with everything. Uh, at the church, that's not a problem with me. It might be a problem for you. It's not a problem with me. Now, if you've got a problem with some major doctrinal issue, that gets to be a bigger deal. But if you know if you don't like the color of my tie, uh, or if you, if you don't like my haircut, and if you're thinking, what hair? It's because I cut it all off, except for here it takes care of itself. Uh, and so if you uh, you know don't like the style of this or the style of that, I can live with that. Let's just love the Lord and serve him. Let's just let our light shine. Let's fulfill the, the work that God has called us to do and understand that every believer has a role to play. Every believer has a ministry that God has given you. Your family is your ministry. Ministry is not just the work of the church, but it is the Christian life as a whole. You are a minister with a ministry, and you should know what it is. If you're married this morning, your spouse is your ministry. If you have children, particularly children that are young and still at home, they're your ministry. If you have uh, friends and neighbors, they're your ministry. What is ministry? Ministry is caring for a loved one. Ministry is reaching out to one who is hurting. Ministry is cleaning. Ministry is cooking for a family that's in need or or your family day to day. Ministry, in short, is day-to-day life, a day-to-day life of service to those uh, that we love and that we represent. It is the king's business, and we are his ambassador. And as such, everywhere that we go and everything that we do and the spirit with which we do it is a reflection of our king. How well this morning am I representing my king? Paul just says to Archippus from his prison cell in Rome take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord. This is God's business. And fulfill it. archivist don't stop now. Don't get weary now. Fulfill it. So as we look this morning, I just want to make three observations here. I would say uh, that first, if I'm going to fulfill my ministry, that I must embrace my call. If I don't embrace the call that God's placed in my life, I'm never going to fulfill my ministry. What's Paul crying out to him here and he's saying, he's saying, listen, uh, this is where you are and this is what you've been entrusted with. Embrace it. Archippus, take heed. Embrace it. Wrap your heart around it. Wrap your mind around it. Wrap your prayer life around it. Wrap your study life around it. Wrap wrap your engagements with others around it, but embrace the call. I want you to notice the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1. He identifies himself uh, and he lays out his credentials. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated into the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which hath made the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship Paul speaking of himself for obedience to the faith among the nations of for his name among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ to all that be in Rome beloved of God called to be saints grace to you and peace from God our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What's he saying? He says, Listen, I've embraced my call. God has called me to be an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And understand that an apostle is someone uh, that had to have seen Christ in his resurrected state. Uh, and so as we look at uh, a biblical apostle, uh, Paul was one who saw him on, uh, on the Damascus Road and was qualified uh, to accept the call of God uh, as a disciple uh, or as an apostle biblically. Listen, uh, he is a, a true apostle of Christ. Not all of the 12 disciples that were listed in the Gospels are apostles. But Paul is an apostle and he's called of God. And what he's saying here is, I embrace my call. I'm not going to shirk my responsibility. He continues, and then when he gets to verse 14, he says, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. So as much as in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. What is it that God has called? God has called us to live a life of faith. Said pastor, I don't know what God's called me to do. Well, I can promise you this: it involves the faith life. It involves the walk of faith in, in the word of God and with the Savior. Embrace the call. What is the call? Well, the call is the honor of service. I would say, as Paul's client crying out to Archippus, take heed to the ministry that thou hast received in the Lord. Archippus, it's an honor. Service is an honor. Service. And serving is an honor. And it's honorable to serve the Lord. Sometimes we look at service and we think of it as a task or a chore or a drudgery. No, it's an honor. It's an honor to serve the Lord. It's an honor to represent the God of heaven. It's an honor to immerse our hearts and our, our lives in the word of God. It's an honor to pray to him and to let the Holy Spirit lead and guide our lives. Listen, if I look at my life as a Christian as a burdensome drudgery that I have to endure, I'm going to be a miserable soul. But if I look at it as a great honor, it's not that every day is easy, but whenever I stop and reflect and take count, it's worthwhile. When you look and you talk to people, and I'm I'm grateful that uh, that we live kind of in an era uh, where uh, people that have served our country are, uh, are there's appreciation shown. What I remember as a child that wasn't the case. And those of you that, uh, like Brother Dick that served and came home from Vietnam, you experienced a very different uh, reception when you came home culturally uh, than what our veterans that serve now receive. Gratefully that's changed. Uh, it, you know, and, and tragically, uh, for our firefighters, law enforcement, first responders, it's changed in the wrong direction. But what I'm saying is that service is an honor. And a, and a person who looks at their service as something that was an honor. Uh, I appreciate whenever, uh, you know, people say, hey, you serve, thank you for your service. My response in my heart is always, it's kind of a weird predicament, but it's just, it was an honor. I'm honored to have served and others have served far more honorably and uh, have been a, uh, for a lot longer times, but it's an honor. Listen, we, we need to understand as a child of God that to serve the God that saved our souls is an honor. It's not a drudgery to be, uh, to be lamented. It is an honor uh, to be held in high esteem. It's an honor to serve God. And Paul I believe is trying to encourage and Archippus and say listen what you're doing is honorable it's worthwhile don't give up now Uh, listen uh, I just Epaphras is here we're in bondage and you're being used of God to make a difference at the church at Colossae Uh, understand that that service though it may be burdensome and the burden may sometimes feel heavy it's honorable the honor of service. I would say, secondly, that he's emphasizing the importance of service. How important is it? Where would they have been? I look back at, <coughs> at my life, and Brother Ed and I have gone out and eaten a couple times while he's been in town uh, just briefly and just uh, gone, reflected back to the late 60s, early 70s, and family history and where the family was. Uh, without God before and the tragedy of, of the 70s and our family tragedies where and, and from 1973 uh, and through 1976 there were at least four or five young men in our family that were 30s or younger that died tragically suddenly some by heart attack one by drowning Um, And so just uh, other other problems of that nature. Uh, But there was a uh, many other things as well that were just heavy and burdensome and tragic. And then how God worked and, and brought the right people at the right time to be the right encourager, to say the right thing. For example, when my family fled from uh, Texas and went to uh, to Illinois for a few years and my uh, my mom remarried uh, and she married my stepfather. And at the time, Brother Ed wasn't saved yet. My stepfather wasn't saved yet. My mom was working as a nurse in, sur- in a surgery. Uh, she was that nurse in surgery that kind of handed the doctor instruments and prepared the room, things of that nature. And one of the nurses that she worked with was, a pastor of a church and he had a car for sale and and whenever uh he made it known to his co-workers hey I've got this car for sale uh my stepfather was interested in the car and so he said come to church and I'll show you the car after the service <laughs> and as a result of that he trusted Christ as his savior. And then a few weeks later, they put me, I was probably about 11 or 12. I was almost as tall as I am now, uh, probably about half as thick. Uh, and, and they put me in this ridiculous outfit. I mean, it's just, I see a picture of it now, and it's just to this day, I just want to burn it. But the reason that Brother Ed came to the church to hear the gospel was to see his nephew dressed up in this ridiculous outfit. And as a result of a visit in his home from that pastor, who, by the way, waited till the end. He didn't even want to go see him. He didn't like the pastor and the pastor didn't like him. And so he just visited there and the pastor went out on his calls and there was nobody home all night. And he got to the end of it and he still had time so he had no choice to, to justify in his heart that he could go home. So he went and saw that one person that he really it was on his list that night that he really didn't want to see and that he was hoping he wouldn't have to see and he got there and Brother Ed trusted Christ the Savior. And there are times when I was a young man growing up and I was rebelling kind of quietly but really making my stepfather's life just miserable. And and it really wasn't even about him. It was just that we didn't connect well and our life was changing. And uh, the thing about it is, is I enjoyed church and I enjoyed the school and I enjoyed playing sports. And, but whenever there were times when I would rebel against one authority, God would put a coach in my path at the right time and the right moment. When we had no money, God, uh, and, and I needed shoes for basketball. Uh, the coach's sister, who was an English teacher in the school, bought me shoes. I didn't get the shoes that I wanted, but I got something that worked. And I can just look back through life and say, hey, somebody did what God put in their heart to do and ministered to someone that did not even know or understand fully the impact of what they were ministering to them. And I don't think that my life's been all that extraordinary or impactful, but I also don't think that God's not used my life. And I can look back at boys in a boy's home or people in the church in Arkansas for nearly 10 years and a few people here over the course of 10 years that I can look and I can say, you know, I believe that in spite of myself, God used me in that person's life or this person's life. You can look at inmates. Brother Ed will go today and take two inmates that are in church, that are serving God, now that they've been released, that are working jobs that uh, that he invested in, Brother Buck, what with him invested in uh, for two or three years, four or five days a week, driving an hour up to Cleveland and pouring into those men uh, and arguing with those men and fighting with those men and, uh, and confronting false doctrine and throwing some of them out of the room and bringing some of them back in and just all the things that go with that type of harsh ministry. And today he gets to go have lunch with a couple of them that actually got it. That's ministry. What I'm saying is, today it's two. This morning, there's a few of us here. Once in a while, I'll get a call from someone that I've invested in in the past. Once in a while, I'll stop and reflect back at the grace of God and the miracles of God of putting people in the right place at the right time. In someone's life that, by all accounts, uh, should have been a philanderer and a drunkard and and probably dead by now. But God intervened. What I'm saying this morning is, ministry doesn't have to seem significant to you or to me to be significant. You don't know what God's doing or what God will do, but it's important. It's powerful. The importance of service. See, you just don't know the kindness to a child or the reaching out to someone that's struggling. Just something as simple to someone walking out the door that's got a broken heart, and you walk up and you have no idea what's going on in their life, but the Holy Spirit prompts you to go lay your hand on their shoulder and just say, you know, I'm glad that you're here. If I can help you in some way, please let me know. Or I'll pray for you this week. You don't know that that might be the very thing that God used to turn a life around. What Paul's communicating to this young man, Epaphras, is this. Or Archippus, excuse me, is this. He's saying, take heed to your ministry. Pay attention. God gave it to you. See it through to the end. Fulfill the ministry that God has given you. Embrace your call. Secondly, consider that if I'm going to fulfill my ministry, I must engage the challenges. Ministry is challenging. Life is hard. Some people are easy. Some people are difficult. Some people are impossible. Some people you'll love and you'll you'll plead with and you'll teach and you'll train and they'll betray you and they'll walk away. They'll be hurtful as they do so. Others will just lose interest and drift. Others will split over disagreements that are worthy of separation others will split over petty differences that really shouldn't matter why bother pastor because it's worth it if there's one out of every 1000 of those it's worth it it's worthwhile engage the challenges why because life is just hard don't run from difficulty it could be your greatest achievement the the greatest achievements in history if man looked at him would say those, that's impossible if you look and study history look at Alexander the Great attacking uh, a force of nearly 250,000 uh, Persians with a force of about 40,000 and thinking that he was somehow going to win that battle there's no way but he did do you look at uh, the British the speed of the Spanish Armada in 1588? impossible but God the American Revolution, impossible, but God. Gideon and his 300, but God. Elijah against the prophets of Baal, and in fact against the whole nation, impossible, but God. Listen. Ministry is just hard. Don't run from the difficulty. It could be the very thing that God uses you to uh, to serve His purpose in a way that's inexplicable to man. But then God gets all the credit and the glory. Engage the challenges in Philippians chapter number three, and verses ten and verse through fourteen. Paul, famous of well-known scripture, uh, the Paul just dealing with the fact that. Uh, that he's got to stay mentally and purposefully engaged that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings we read this passage and we like that we like that we have to uh, you know, press toward the mark but the reality is, is that that requires the fellowship of his suffering I have to be willing to pay a price I have to be willing uh, to be at times uncomfortable that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I may attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'm pressing on. I'm moving forward. But Paul, you've already accomplished so much. That was yesterday. I still have tomorrow. I cannot shut down, call my ministry fulfilled because I've reached an age or a level of health or uh, a time in my life where I want to move on to other things and it's behind me and praise God for what I did and what God did through me. No, sir, fulfill until I come into his presence. Stay with it. There's still someone to be reached. There's a life to be impacted. There's There's a soul to be saved. Don't run from difficulty. Look for opportunities to make a difference. Do we go around looking for avenues of someone to serve us or do we look for avenues to serve someone? Do we look for ways that we can make a difference in someone's life, that we can invest in someone's life? Always go the extra mile. Why? Because until you've gone the extra mile, the first mile is barely noticeable. The first mile is expected. The first mile is just common courtesy. The first mile was just being a decent human being, but the second mile says, I love you. The second mile, the extra mile says, I'm here to serve. The second mile says, it's not about me. So you can be a first mile Christian and it just be about, I've got to maintain my image and my reputation, but the second mile is sacrifice. The second mile communicates a message. Always go the extra mile. Engage in the challenges. Embrace the call. And then lastly this morning, endure to the completion. He's saying to him here, Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. Archippus, fulfill it. See it through. Till Epaphras comes home. Stick with it. Fight the fight. Maintain the battle. Endure to the completion. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And the first eight verses Paul uh, listed or talking to Timothy here says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Endure to the completion. The completion of what, pastor? Well, sometimes it's the completion of the task. Sometimes, It's time to ramp up, put in extra time, put in extra effort, get an event set up, planned, executed. Brought to fruition so that souls are saved, that God's people are ministered to, so that the church is uh, is brought to a measure of health or an opportunity to, uh, and then it comes to the conclusion of the task and things are cleaned up and uh, and you move on to the next one. But stick with it to the completion of the task. Don't start something and then finish it. I remember a young man, our church in Arkansas, and he, if you look at him, you look and think, man, he could be a great. Uh, Wonderful asset to the church here. Problem was, is that he was the first one to volunteer for everything, and in 10 years I never saw him finish one thing. Ever. Not a single task. He was quick to volunteer, he meant well, he had a heart to serve, but he didn't have the character to see it through. He didn't have the commitment to see it through to completion, to bring it to fulfillment. Paul's saying, Fulfill your ministry the completion of the task that means also to the completion of the call complete your call you're not done until the call is fulfilled pastor that means I've got to do what I'm doing till I'm, till I'm in heaven no I'm, I don't think I understand that at some point in the hopefully not in the next 10 years but maybe in the next 15 or so that I'm not going to be able mentally cognitively probably to do the things that I do now and at some point I hope that I'm not the kind of pastor that just says I'm going to pastor until I drop dead or fall out if I'm at a point where I'm hurting the church then I hope that I'll have uh, the grace and the wisdom to step back not to stop serving God but to realize that what the church's needs are exceed what my ability at that stage of life are gonna be to give it. Am I I neglecting my call to step back? No, I think I'm fulfilling it. Say, Pastor, when that's gonna be? Well, I I hope it's not for another 20 years or so. Uh, But that's in God's hands. But our attitude ought to be, I'm gonna fulfill my ministry. Until God calls me home. If God makes it and gets me to a point in life where I can no longer physically and mentally and emotionally carry the load of the pastor of Victory Baptist Church, then I believe that as I transition to a new role that God will have a new way for me to continue his call in my life and ministry. But I want to be determined in my life that until God calls me into his presence that I'm going to be faithful to do what God's given me to do the completion of the call. If I get to a point where I say, you know what, I'm just done, I'm not completing it. If I get to a point where I just, uh, you know, come up and say, you know what, I'm tired, uh, and I've done my time, and I've done my bit. Listen, as we get older, certainly our ministry and what it looks like will change. But it ought to still be there. I ought to still be committed to it. Completion of the call. And then... The completion of life Paul got to the end and he said I'm now ready to be offered and I've got no regrets it would be wonderful like the Apostle Paul to be able to go to heaven knowing that you're going and you're not you you know as you go that you're not going to be ashamed to stand before your Savior that you have fulfilled what God has given you to do the completion of life finish life Love life. Love God for life. Fulfill your ministry. How do I do that, Pastor? Well, first you've got to realize what it is. If I don't realize what ministry is, so Pastor, I, all I did was clean the doors or sweep the floor. That's ministry. All I did was help somebody up that tripped and fell in the parking lot. That happens sometimes. That's ministry. All I did was pray with someone that was hurting, that's ministry. All I did was make a phone call, send a text message an email, that's ministry. We need to be a church that gets it out of our mind that ministry is standing in a pulpit and preaching or standing behind a pulpit and singing or playing an instrument. Those things are ministry to be sure. But so is working in the nursery. So is cleaning the restroom. So is mowing the lawn. I'm grateful Brother Billy drives in on Thursdays and helps Brother Phil maintain and mow the lawn and it doesn't matter if it's 100, 2 or 3 degrees outside in the middle of the heat of day. He's out there. Drive by sometime on Thursday afternoon. Chances are you're going to see Brother Billy having driven about 40 minutes to get here out there mowing, weed eating, working on a van. Sometime this week he'll be helping work on an air conditioning system for one of our missionaries. whose air conditioning is out. it has got small children. Sacrificing. That's ministry, brother. That's serving God. That's representing our King. Ministry is just about serving one another and loving one another the way that Christ demonstrated and served us and His men. Recognize its importance. No task is meaningless, it's vital. It's vitally important that we have people that are willing to sacrifice and teach our children. It's vitally important that we have people that are willing to invest and make a difference when we're disconnecting. It's vitally important that someone's willing to clean, that someone's willing to serve, that someone's willing to make a visit, that someone's willing to offer prayer, that someone's willing to send a letter. It's important, recognize that no kind word that no seemingly insignificant moment is without its impact and importance in someone's life. But I can't see that, Pastor. It doesn't matter. Just believe that God will use it if you offer it in the right spirit. There are many things like that that I believe that we'll never understand until we come into his presence. And when we see that God was glorified, it'll be a wonderful day. And then finally, just stick with it until it's achieved. Just stay with it. Pastor, I'm tired. I know. Stay with it. Everybody's tired this this week. It's been a busy month. There's been a lot of ministry opportunities this month. There's been a lot of fellowship this month. There's been a lot of time to serve. Plus, it's hot, and that makes everybody tired and grumpy. But everybody's had a sweet spirit, and everybody's just served. What I'm saying this morning is just keep serving. Just keep serving. Stick with it until it's achieved. Pastor, when will it be achieved? Depends on what it is. But let's go to heaven singing praises to his name and not wondering if we're going to be ashamed whenever he brings us to his judgment seat. Fulfill your ministry with joy.